0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Scott Jensen. It's taken me a while to get to uh, baseball instead of football, so if I messed that up, I do apologize. Uh, i have joined. Uh, we're doing uh, doing DFS today. I'm joined by Andrew Laird. I've done the DFS podcast uh, for football for three years, so I, I look forward to it again. Joining Andrew for the first time this year, so this should be fun. We are sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy, uh, so if uh, we appreciate uh, appreciate that very much, if you please rate or review the podcast, we'd all should appreciate that. Andrew, first time, uh, first time jumping on DFS football with you. How are you today?
2: I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, it's always great to talk about daily fantasy football uh, in the middle of July, but uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's one of those that, like, we don't even have preseason games to potentially even discuss, and so, um, but, you know, there's always something to talk about, and so here we are.
1: Absolutely. So why don't uh, why don't you give us a little bit uh, about who you are? I know you're a uh, you're very popular and big in the in the DFS soccer world. Obviously, you uh, you work at Rotowire, uh, but uh, for the football people, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Talk about how you what who you are and what you're doing here. Uh,
2: yeah. So I run uh, Rotowire soccer coverage. or I have for the past few years. I've taken on kind of a bigger DFS role over the last uh, few months or so, uh, coming into football, but. I my background is in football. Like I, um, I started with RotoWire kind of as a beat writer, which a lot of people do. Uh, Many years ago, I used to do a daily column. Excuse me, a weekly column. uh, Sunday nights, the NFL reactions is an article that I started a few years ago, which I'll um, uh, humble brag. Note that I was a FSWA NFL or football writer of the year finalist uh, twice. Nice, Um, very nice. Yeah, uh, lost to people who were much more. Deserving than I was, but uh, (laughs) it was certainly nice to be in that group. Um, But yeah, I started playing uh, DFS football um, three or four years ago. Uh, I was more casual about it um, back then. I primarily play cash games. Actually, Um, I'm not one of those people who um, is pumping out 150 lineups to try to win a million dollars every Sunday. Although I certainly appreciate the work that goes into to doing that. It's just not the way that kind of I'm. Uh, that my brain works that uh, I'm looking for the guys who are, you know, two and 3% owned that can explode. Although um, I'm, I'm slowly getting there, but really cash games are kind of uh, my focus. One of the ones that uh, I wanted to point out, I used to, I mean, I played season long fantasy football for years. I actually gave it up a few years ago and a bunch of my buddies who, you know, basically one of my home leagues, we gave up on, uh season long fantasy football and we do a, a weekly league on DraftKings now like all right, nice. um there was a time last it was a few years ago that basically like my top 3 picks uh were all injured in week 1 like I and it was it's one of those that like I realized that there are plenty of stories of people who like that happens to and they're like and then I grinded it out all week hit the waiver wire and like I just this just not what I was interested in at the time and I was like wait a minute there's this other game Where if your players get hurt, you're only doomed for that week, and like next week it's a clean slate. And I was like, this is amazing. I just felt like I had such horrible injury luck that I was like, well, maybe I'll just try this um, this daily thing, and I loved it. Like it's it's a very different game because you know all the waiver wire articles come out on Monday and Tuesday, and uh, you're kind of like, well, I'm I'm not looking for for waiver (laughs) help now, and it's kind of nice to be able to to lessen the load of research, although. Um, we'll get into it. I don't know if it'll be, uh, this podcast or a couple others, but there is a way to use this way, the weekly waiver wire articles for DFS, uh, um, oh, yeah. which will be a little bit of a, I guess that'll be a little bit of a tease, but, um, how about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I kind of started this world playing, uh, playing fancy baseball, uh, and then uh, I jumped on RotoWire. I know I met Jeff Erickson uh, one of the RotoWire founders at one of the NFBC drafts and uh, we kind of started talking and we uh, you know we realized that we lived about 10 minutes away and then he <laughs> got me on just kind of writing uh, some, some some stuff about CDM fantasy Sports uh, a weekly uh, salary cap game and uh kind of got me uh, more and more involved uh, Jeff and I started doing the podcast in baseball together then I jumped on the football podcasted it with uh Vlad Sedler 2 years ago and then Derek Van Riper last year and I think uh I think it was good and it it made me a better DFS player kind of uh, really breaking down uh, each game game by game and having to sit down and do research for the podcast so it's uh it's kind of helped uh, help my game a little bit too and I do I write an article for the uh, for the on the baseball side called Oaks Corner so if you uh, if you play season long fantasy baseball uh, definitely check that out. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think NFL is actually built for DFS. Uh, I still play season long. I play in the NFFC. Uh, I play in the, the NFFC primetime. I draft in Vegas and all that. But uh As uh, as my interest has been slipping in season long, it's really ramped up in DFS. I just think it's built that way. You mentioned the injury stuff, and it's just a game that you know football's so insulated. It's once a week. It's not like baseball where it's got every day, and you really have to grind it out if you play DFS baseball, which uh, which I've had trouble fully getting into. Um, But I think football is built for it. You know, uh, you know, one week of research, and you can you can pick kind of what games you play. You can pick games to focus on. Um, It's really uh, it's really made me uh, enjoy Sundays again in the NFL, and I, I just I just think it's built perfectly for it.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the the difference between daily fantasy football and season-long fantasy football in terms of, like, research and preparation is actually the closest of all of the major sports. Like, the, the fact that it's once a week and a lot of the stuff that you're doing to think of, like, what guys do I want to pick up, um, what players do I want to start, uh, a lot of that research is applicable uh, and valuable to daily. And so um, when you have, like you said, like, trying to get into daily fantasy baseball, like... I, the, I think the, the difference between season-long baseball and daily baseball is gigantic. Like, they're, they're completely oh, huge, different huge. games. Yeah. Um huge, To the point where, and I'm somebody who gave up on season-long baseball years ago, and I, I, I don't even want to call myself like a regular daily fantasy baseball player. I mean, it's maybe a few times a week at best. But um, the people who played season-long baseball uh, who are like really hardcore about it, hate daily fantasy baseball and hate everything about it. And I noticed this on like comments that we get on our own website that like people just get very fired up about the differences and it's a very different game. Like I think part of it, people think they're like the daily people are like encroaching on it. That's not how we should play fantasy baseball. And like they are different games. Like it's the, the variance in baseball on a daily basis is nuts and you are able to kind of, um, Counter that with season long because you're you're just accumulating over months, but football like we've got 17 weeks and with your fantasy football teams sometimes only 16 and you know because you take the last one off for um, uh, after your playoffs and. But but the work that goes into it is really similar, and I think that's why it was so much easier for me to like, not only for me to transition into daily, but to like get my friends who had been in this. We I mean we had done a season long league fifteen years. Right. I was like, do you guys want to try this? And you know, people are hesitant, and it literally took one week, and they're like, this is so much better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, that. I think that's I think that's a really good point in the baseball because I am I, I don't get fired up about it. I don't I don't mind baseball DFS, but I'm as. I'm as into season-long baseball as a person could be. I mean, I'm in Vegas, big drafts, sure. all that kind of stuff. But you know, it, it's such a different. Like I'm so into my team and, and researching that that I, it, jumping into daily feels like it's actually adding another sport or adding another thing to research. Totally. So just. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a really good point. And with football, you know, I can, I can break down the, break down the slate on Wednesday for the podcast and realize that that, how much that helps me for my season long team. I'm ready to, I'm ready to set my season long lineup or wa- make uh wa- waiver moves uh, pretty easily. So you're, you're right. There's a very, uh, there's a lot of carryover between the two. Whereas if, uh, if baseball it feels like I'm doing two different jobs,
2: <laughs> I think that's, a, that's the perfect uh, way to say it. It's just, it's a totally different sport. Um, so I mean, with that, um, we're going to be here every Friday uh, for the NFL season um, starting now. So um, up until the regular season starts, it's going to be a lot of kind of overview, some strategies, some ways that we that we play that we can help other people play. Um, But one of the things that I always kind of want to focus on early on for people who either don't play daily fantasy football at all and are kind of looking to get into it or kind of play sporadically throughout the season, just because it's something to do. Um, there are tons of sites you can play on now. I mean, DraftKings and FanDuel and Yahoo are the, are the kind of the big three. Um, but there are plenty of others that, that offer games. Um, we have kind of different content on our own website that covers those. I mean, there's fantasy draft and prize picks this is actually a new one that I've gotten into for, uh, for soccer that they, they, I assume they'll have NFL, but uh, the, 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 point uh or really what you want to start doing when you're thinking of playing is like what how you want to play and like what you're trying to get out of this and fantasy football is like a hobby for a lot of people adding money even amongst your friends kind of takes it up a notch Um, daily fantasy tends to be against total strangers unless you do what I did set up this league with your friends but um I think really one of the first things you want to do and, and we'll get into like how you play and all of this but like I think it's important to figure out like what you want to play. Do you want to go in every week to win a million dollars? Do you want to go in every week and try to find kind of what the optimal lineup is and just kind of grind out, uh, you know, some winnings here or there? Do you, are you somebody who is okay with probably losing 14 weeks in a row and then hitting it huge in week 15? Or do you want to kind of have some incremental wins? Like you really need to figure out what you want to get out of your daily fantasy experience before you even jump in. Because I mean, I guess you could try it out in little by little, but like once you figure out how you want to play, that will really help you determine like how you strategize each week.
1: So on that note, how do you play?
2: <laughs> um, so because I started in soccer, mostly cash games and soccer, like I kind of immediately go to cash games when I start a new sport. So like with baseball, I started cash games and then realized that's absolutely insane. But I get why people play it. I get it. Uh, And I saw the strategies, but I, it's the variance. So when you play cash games, which is what I like to do, you, you try to focus on the guys who are not as variant. It's as simple as that. Like you want guys who are consistent and they have very clear roles and they have clear kind of fantasy floors. That's what a term we'll use a lot. And it's like the kind of the minimum points that you kind of expect them to score. And so like baseball cash games is like the opposite of finding something consistent. Cause like there really aren't, I mean, you can have guys who are consistent over 150 games, right. but I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about but today. My,
1: there, there are a lot of games. Mike Trout goes up four and gets zero points.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and whereas, whereas
1: LeBron James never scores zero points.
2: Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's the, that's the great analogy just in terms of like how uh, both of those work. Um, yeah. And in football, you tend to have guys who are very consistent um, and the, the scoring and how you want to play is also a little different because like um, DraftKings uses full point PPR whereas FanDuel and Yahoo or half point. So the strategies change a little bit with those. And so uh, the guys that you're focusing on tend to be different. So uh, I mostly play DraftKings just because they were the first ones on soccer. I think a, a lot of people play on the site uh, now that they kind of got used to. Um, totally early on, and so that happened to be DraftKings for me. Uh, I do play Fanduel and Yahoo, although um, I, you know, most of my focus tends to be DraftKings cash games. And the the difficulty that I came upon early while I was playing is that uh, in soccer, uh, a cash game lineup can win a GPP. Uh, there, it's unlikely, but it can happen, um, and it does happen occasionally in football. I don't know if it's ever happened, at least for like a full slate of games that like the, the number a a big part of that is the number of people you're competing against. And that's why we will, we'll talk a lot about ownership percentages and and why playing contrarian is so expensive, but you're literally up against hundreds of thousands of entries and you're trying to beat all of them to win a million dollars. And so um, the way that I process things and the way that I do my own research I just tend not to end up on guys who are going to be 2% owned and possibly end up with two touchdowns. And so I kind of have to, I, I, there's a long run running saying in, in DFS that you should always GPP your cash lineup. I'm not sure that applies in football just because it's so, so difficult to win a GPP, particularly with like a high floor lineup. Do
1: you think that in in football that uh, the cash and GDP blurs a little bit? The sp- most most sports, uh, I tend to think that there's a a couple positions that are really kind of GBP cash uh, dependent, like you know low end wide receiver is one that you know if you're looking at a, in a cash lineup you're looking for guys with a lot of targets, or if you look at GBP, you're looking for a guy that's fast and hit, hit the big play that kind of thing, like a Marquise Goodwin type of guy. Um, I think that low end wide receivers really one where it, where it separates a lot. Um, do you think there's other positions where that's the case or, cause I I tend to think that like running backs, my GPP and cash running backs tend to be more similar than my wide receivers do.
2: Yeah. I think when you look at, at running back, like there's so, you know, a lot, they get a lot of touches as it is. Uh, and so you're, you're generally kind of choosing based on matchup. So with your, the cash GPP, uh, look becomes more of an ownership play. Like, you're you generally want higher owned players in cash games um because they're usually the ones of the high floor uh and if you're missing one of those guys you're going to be really behind but in gpp you want the opposite so like if there's a a a very expensive running back that you think everybody's going to have like it makes much more sense to not have that guy and take somebody else and so um you're definitely right on on the wide receiver thing like certainly for DraftKings with the full-point PPR. I mean, you you want these guys who just catch a ton of passes, and it it almost doesn't matter if they score a touchdown um, because there are enough guys who catch enough passes for nine yards each that, uh, you know, the Julian Edelmans who aren't scoring that many touchdowns, that um, they are perfect cash game plays. But, yeah, um, basically you're looking uh, for upside when it comes to your wide receivers and GPPs. And so it's much easier for a guy to hit uh, and with DraftKings there's they have yardage bonuses as well Um yep. and so you've got 300 for passing 100 for rushing and 100 for receiving it's much easier for a guy to get 100 yards receiving on three catches than it is for like a running back to get to 100 yards even on 12 carries let's call it uh, right. so the upside's certainly going to be there with the uh, with the wide receivers but again like those tend not to be the guys that you know the traditionally like uh Deshaun Jackson like he's the I yep. feel like the such the prototypical GPP uh, wide receiver because you know he can get down the field in, in a hurry um, and he can score those touchdowns. But uh, you're almost playing more for the touchdown hundred yard bonus than you are, you know, the twelve catches because he's he's not going to get those.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned you know mentioned variance and a guy like that, uh, you know, it, it could be one or two big plays in the whole game. And if if he goes deep and guy, you know, it's pass interference, suddenly you lost your shot right there. Yeah, so it's, totally. It's just, and you're not going to get the you're not going to get the seven yard out to to rack up uh, you know points per catch. But um, you mentioned the difference in scoring. Uh, DraftKings is a full point PPR. Fanduel is half. Is there one that you uh, is there the one you prefer? Or you just you just play DraftKings. so You're comfortable with it. Uh, is
2: it more of that or is it more of the scoring? Uh, it, it sounds like more of a chicken and an egg question. Like, do I like full <laughs> point PPR because that's what I've always played? I right. Um, I think. I prefer the full point just because they tend to be, it it tends to be easier to project who's going to get the targets and ultimately the receptions. And so if I can find somebody who is easier to project, um, and I, I can see that there's a a clear floor there then I'm willing to kind of, um, to play that site like that. I I think I just, maybe I've just become used to PPR and I know, um, like Peter Shanky hates PPR. And like they, (laughs) they had their yeah. uh, If you're a regular listener of his podcast, you heard earlier this week that um, he makes one of the Vegas drafts standard scoring because he he just wants no part of PPR. Um, But I kind of like you know it it sounds weird to say like no, I I would rather a guy catch five passes for 55 yards than to score like a one touchdown because it it runs counter to like how football works. Like you want to score points, Um, right? But yeah, I I think I just generally like the full point PPR better. And I hate to say it, it doesn't necessarily stop me from using almost the exact same lineup on DraftKings. than I do FanDuel, like even, you know, if you get 10 points for 10 receptions and then you get five on FanDuel, like the scoring itself is not uh, equal in terms of you're not uh, trying to get the exact same scores on both sites. So, right. um, you know, I, I, it makes a difference for sure, but that half point PPR is not getting me to, it's not stopping me from playing. Um, but standard scoring just seems so foreign to me at this point. Meaning so you
1: mentioned, you mentioned projections, but before we get to that, uh, a quick note from one of our sponsors. You mentioned uh, Yahoo is one of the one of the big three in DFS. They are one of our sponsors. It's, it's officially July, which means football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding and dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part about fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having other players drop out early and not finish your draft? Free Best Ball League gives you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts can't get out of fantasy football but don't want don't want to manage those teams all season long you can draft the 50 best ball teams on yahoo play for free or play for cash but most importantly get to drafting with yahoo fantasy best ball join the league today at sports.yahoo.com slash best ball coming soon to the yahoo fantasy app so you mentioned projections and kind of figuring out. You mentioned fantasy floor, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that the thing when I'm looking at a slate, the first thing I do usually is uh, is Monday or Monday or Tuesday. I'm looking at the Vegas odds. You know, where you're looking for uh, you're looking for games that, for me, not only high over under games, but games that are close spreads. And that's the that's the point that you know you don't want the Patriots against uh, you know insert bad you know team here, Miami Dolphins <laughs> with a with a with a 14 point line, even if it's a high over under, because you know Tom Brady's not throwing in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you may want a Dolphins receiver in that game catching up in the fourth quarter but really uh, I, I like games that you know high over under and a close spread where you they could be going back and forth you want what the dream in fantasy in, in dfs is a 38 35 game and you having guys on both sides of the game i mean it doesn't happen every week but you know that that's the dream right there uh how do you use vegas odds to kind of start your process each week
2: i mean it, it's pretty clear that um the games with the highest totals are going to have the higher own players, certainly in cash games, because like that, you know, the expectation is if there's a lot of scoring real life scoring, there's going to be a lot of fantasy scoring. And I think um, the point you made is something that a lot of people overlook uh, in terms of whether the game is going to be close, because even if they're like, Oh, well in that example, uh, the dolphins are going to be way behind. So they're going to have to be playing catch up. And it's like being able to play catch up and act (laughs) or trying to play catch up and actually catching up is very different. And oh, yeah. so uh, the idea is, in, in theory, you're like, no, 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 they, they're going to have to be passing all the time. And it's like, well, passing all the time might lead to more pick sixes. It, it's possible that passing all the time is actually worse for their own game plan, like they're not good at it. And so you're like, right. no, 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 I'm expecting a huge game this week from whoever. And you're just like, well, if they're getting blown out, it, there's only so much they can do. And so these close games with the high totals is really what you're after. I mean, we saw... Uh, you know, think like Ram Saints, like that's the kind of game that you want, at least with a high total. It's like certainly look at the totals. Don't ignore the spreads because like we said, you want these games that are close, but so the, the idea, um, for, for using the Vegas odds is just that you want to find the games with the most, um, with the most points in it. Um, not even just because touchdowns are are certainly helpful everywhere but usually there's a lot of yards you you tend not to see 38 35 games where there are four defensive touchdowns and um (laughs) you know some special teams but right um so you'll you'll know right away that those games are going to that the players from those games the quarterbacks probably top receivers even the running backs are going to be highly owned um that's going to be probably in cash and gpp so you kind of look at it the the counter way you you're probably going to see a lot of those guys in cash games, and so you're probably going to want to target those guys. And then in GPPs, they're probably good fades, particularly if they're games with slightly lower over unders. I mean, if if they're close, that if the totals are close to the top, then they're maybe spread out a little bit. But kind of the sweet spot are these games that uh, are kind of just below the upper tier, because um, you know, depending on the week, um, you know, you could have a number of games that could go off, uh, and so it kind of spreads the the player pool um, to the point where you're not like, oh, I'm going to be stuck with this, you know, if I'm going to just stack this game because these are all the points. But if you have a few games that are like that, um, it makes it a little easier. We also do see some weeks where there just aren't that many high totals. And so yep. um, when you have those situations, I mean, it, it gets a little tougher in terms of like identifying exactly who the, who the chalk is going to be, who everybody's going to take. But usually the game with the highest total is going to be owned just because people are like, all right, there are the points. And so, I mean, that's kind of the, the really the first step is like, who, where are the games? And then you kind of go to the players after that and say, who are the guys I can take advantage of from this game that I think is going to be high scoring?
1: Yeah and the funny thing we saw last year is usually we you know we're talking uh, the the three main sites we're talking the main slates we're talking you know Sunday uh for me on the Pacific time zone uh, you know 10am and the 1pm games we so had a jealous. lot of times last year where all those high scoring games were the Monday night game the Sunday night yeah. game the Thursday night game you know you get you get those Rams, Saints, Chiefs—those are those are high-profile teams. So it's it's funny how uh, a lot of those times we ended up losing those games. And it really made you kind of dig into the other games and figure out uh, what I like to do. And and we'll talk. We get into the real season. You know, I'll do this every week. But I'm I'm always looking for I'm looking for that that one game that maybe is not the highlighted game each week or the highest over that I think is going to go off. Uh, you know, a couple years ago there was a Saints Panthers game that I really liked and it turned out to be I think it was 38-35. I, I just randomly mentioned that score, but it's one of those ones. It was it was you know it was the Saints. It was in the it was in in the dome. So it was a popular game, but, um, you know, I look at ownership percentages for that week and it, and it wasn't because, you know, as the Panthers and they were known for a little more defense and all that kind of stuff, but it got to, it got to a shootout. I'm always looking for that game, maybe in the, the, you know, the 47, 48, 49 over under range that, that I think is going to go off. So a little bit, you know, uh, off the radar a little bit, but I think is going to match up with those other games.
2: Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely the way to look at it. I mean, and w- another thing that we see kind of throughout the season are, um, guys who, you may not even have considered uh i mean these are like you know second or third wide receivers and all of a sudden you're like wait a minute this game is has a oh yeah has a total of 52 or something like that and you're like uh everyone's gonna be on the top guy uh but there are gonna be a ton of yards and, and catches and touchdowns to go around that like it that in itself can increase your player pool a little bit um just because that's you know it's it's like the you're not everybody's thinking about it and so now you're gonna be able to get somebody who's a little lower owned i mean the, I think one of the key things uh, once you get into the player pool is, the, I mean, the player pools are big. I mean, we're talking, you know, anywhere from 11 to 14 games sometimes. I mean, the slates are, are really big. Uh, I mean, I'm coming from soccer where sometimes they're as little as two, uh, not even <laughs> counting like the showdown. I mean, they'll do main slates with two or three games. And so it can be, if you're coming from that, it can be a little intimidating. All of a sudden you see 78 wide receivers you could pick. But I think one of the key things to do is to figure out which players you don't want. Yep. I mean, in fact, there are, I know there are some people who literally, they'll take the player pool and eliminate everybody. And then they're like, okay, let me bring in the people that I actually want to have on my, you know, that I'm actually going to consider. And that's usually, the, you know, the games with the lowest totals tend to be the ones that you throw out early because nobody's going to want to stack Jets dolphins. Um, when, you know, Ram saints is on the, sa- on the same slate, but
1: see, see I had you left jets out of my, I, know, I appreciate that. I think you're a Jets fan, right? I,
2: I am. I am. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the, oh, uh, I can't, I can like barely speak when I talk about the Jets, even though it's like the most <laughs> promising they've been in years, but, um, thank God for red zone. That's all I'll say about it. But, Oh yeah, no doubt about that. <laughs> um, but like that, that's kind of, one of the keys and we'll get into that probably in a later podcast of just like really narrowing down which, which kind of players you want. Um, but uh, one of the, the main aspects here is you, you can't go in every week thinking like I'm going who I'm choosing from everybody because um, you're just going right. to, you're going to lose yourself. Um, and then all of a sudden you find out you've rostered, rostered, all these guys that nobody has. And then you find out at the end of the day on Sunday, like why nobody has them. Like, um, we, we talked about wanting like lower owned players and there's, there's a skill to choosing the right lower owned players. And it's the, the goal is not just anybody who's low owned because, um, there are going to be plenty of people who are low owned because they're not any good. And so, um, right. that's one of the things we we will get into kind of at a later point, but, um, you know, the, the, the key, at least in, in knowing how to use these, these Vegas odds is just, um, you know, you want the, the higher games, And you don't necessarily need to find lower-owned players in games with low totals. You can just find kind of secondary or tertiary players in these higher games to get your low ownership.
1: Is there a a position in in football where you don't really look at percentages? For me, quarterback, it's usually so spread out that I tend to kind of... I tend to myself... I'm probably in the minority here, but I tend to throw ownership projections out with quarterback, and I'm just looking for the guy that I like the most or the situation I like the most. It, It seems to me like... In NFL uh, GPP games you know quarterbacks there's nobody ever that's higher than you know fifteen to eighteen percent so uh you know whereas running backs and receivers get really popular? I tend to throw it out with quarterbacks
2: i think that's a that's a reasonable strategy i mean there like you like we said like there's so many games and yeah the the top to bottom quarterback scores i mean the bottom is is can be get pretty low but like you know the the top to bottom of the players that you're actually considering tends not to be that high I mean obviously guys can explode you get you know a, a five touchdown Patrick Mahomes game that can throw things off. But you're right. Like the the position itself uh, tends not to have a single guy that's really high on. Whereas, uh, I mean, like in cash games, if there's a a midweek injury to a starting running back, and a backup is going to start, that guy is going to be really highly on. I mean, you'll see, you know, uh, double ups with 10,000 entries, and this guy's 65%, which you tend not. you know, it's rare. But it does happen. And so...
1: No, um, I mean, it, it, and that's the one spot in football that I, I really uh, I really study, both with GP and cash, is that, that running back that kind of falls into 18 to 20 carries, because they're just so popular... Everybody talks about him on all the waiver wire shows for season long. You know, yeah. you got like a like a James Connor last year yes. early on in the year. That first couple of weeks, he was like fifty four hundred on both sides. It was like okay, he's seventy percent in cash games. He's thirty or forty five percent in GPPs. It's it's a really it becomes an interesting uh, strategy, especially in GPP, if you fade a guy like that. But it's, you know, those guys that are really cheap that are touching the ball twenty two times, it's hard to get away from.
2: Yeah, the the one quarterback that came to mind um, was actually one he he didn't end up being that highly on, but it was when Lamar Jackson took over last year with the Ravens. Yeah, Because He was really cheap. I mean, uh, DraftKings, um, or really all the sites tend not to price backups with starter prices. Like that, that's why when you have a kind of a midweek injury, um, prices generally come out Monday for the following weekend. And so you have, um, you know, days of practice where if somebody gets hurt and somebody else moves up the depth chart, there's no change in salary. Like the, the salaries are set. And so that's why guys tend to be really high on, um, but Lamar Jackson, I remember it was like, well, this guy's going to run a bunch um, and we'll get into quarterbacks at some point um, in another podcast, but like running quarterbacks have just become so valuable. Um, Yep. And Jackson, I remember, I think he was 4,600, whereas like the upper tier guys are in the 70,000s. And so it was like, I was like, this guy's going to be so highly owned, but it was also like, wait a minute, he's a rookie quarterback. I mean, playing his first NFL start, like, and he ended up not being that highly owned, but the following week, everybody had him. Oh yeah, um, because they still hadn't kind of rais- risen his price quite enough. But that's really like the only situation I can think of. And, and Lamar Jackson's such like a unique player that I'm not even sure we're going to see something like that again just because, um, just because he's so unique himself.
1: Yeah, the first couple of weeks will be really fascinating to see how the Cardinals use Kyler Murray yeah. cuz he could kind of he could kind of jump in that uh, realm and not to get to into specific players too much, but it'll be uh he'll be a very interesting like first three or four week DFS option uh to see how how Kingsbury uses him in that offense.
2: For sure. I mean, the the volume the passing volume alone is like something that you want to look up and now you're like realize how much he can do with his legs and you're just I mean, yeah. again, rushing quarterbacks like that's why Cam Newton tends to be like a very when he's healthy at least a very easy cash gameplay because you know you're going to get the rushing yards which like are more valuable than the passing yards kind of when you look yep. at it yard okay. yard
1: you start you start out with a base of like 50 rushing yards and it, it totally changes everything it, it, and then you throw in the fact that those good guys like that tend to score rushing touchdowns yes and it, uh, you just you just create that uh that floor of stats you know you're going to get and then you put the passing stuff on top and it could really blow up
2: yes yes for sure um the- so you
1: mentioned you you mentioned RotoWire for a, a site. Uh, you know you start your research on. Uh, talk to me about the optimizer on RotoWire real quick. You know we'll probably get into that as we do some more preseason podcasts. But um, you're more probably familiar with that than I am. You know obviously work on the site and work uh, work for the company. Uh, how how does the optimizer work? Is that one of those things you just uh, you know you plug it in and you split out a lineup and you use it, or how how do you kind of use that?
2: Um, I generally think and and i apologize to anybody who who does this but i generally think that's the worst way to use an optimizer um all right (laughs) so every optimizer i mean every daily fantasy sports site is probably going to have an optimizer ours um is based on our weekly projections which most sites tend to be um and projections in an optimizer are great like it it the idea is that it gives you the optimal lineup based on the projections. Um, but I think what a lot of people um, kind of miss you, misunderstand about projections is that they're kind of just this mean projection of like what the 50 percentile of what could happen. Um, but there are, you know, obviously there are significant things that can happen that aren't built into anybody's projection. And so um, with the optimizer, if uh, we have a player who is uh two players who are the exact same price, uh, one is projected, uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah. And one is projected for, you know, thirty point thirty and a half and a half points. And the other one is 28 and a half. Um, you're like, well, I'll just go with the 30 and a half. And it's like, well, the, the, um, the possibility that they both land at 30 and a half or they swap is, is high. Like it, it can happen. And so the idea is you want to use the optimizer to see kind of guys in a range and like, Uh, you'll see the guys who are kind of projected, or even if and if you think you can, you know, someone else who's not in that range should be, you can actually manually change a projection to put them in. And I think what you really want to use an optimizer for is to kind of put guys in tiers and say, like, these are the five guys that I think could all land around the same spot. And we have uh, projected ownership project or ownership um, within the optimizer. So you can see kind of where we think guys will be owned. And if you're playing gpp you're if in your tier you probably want the guy who's going to be the lowest own, but like using a an any optimizer just like here here's the game slates I'm playing click optimize and give me this lineup i just think um it's an easy way to use it for sure but i think you're there's so many more things you can do with an optimizer particularly with ours that um you're you're not taking advantage of what you're using and so um we'll probably do a optimizer podcast or maybe we'll, I'll do something later on. But, um, there's just, if you open our optimizer, you'll see there are buttons everywhere. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do. And we obviously have the one main one that says like, you know, click here for a lineup, but the other buttons are there for a reason. And so, um, you want to be able to use these tools, uh, to their fullest in order to really get your value out of them
1: yeah and it, it's probably a silly point, but i 'm going to say it anyway but if you play in a tournament and there are probably people that do the one click and just enter that team, you are not going to have anywhere near a unique team because yeah. you' be a lot of people that, that click that button and play that exact team. There are people that do that and there's there's a lot of sites that you know that people click the optizer and, and there you go and um you know in a GPP you definitely don't want to line up that everybody in the world has
2: yeah yeah i mean uh, it, it certainly comes to showdown strategies and we'll um that showdowns a, a topic for another conversation, but those are basically the, or they call it showdown on, on DraftKings, single yeah. game on FanDuel, but where you're literally, uh, if, if one week or one day is not enough for you, now they do one day, one game. Um, it's,
1: it's really wild. I mean, you, you, that, uh, that Rams chiefs game last year, it was, they had the showdowns, the Monday night game. And yes. So they always, they always do a showdown for the Monday night game, obviously for the Sunday night game, the, the standalone, yeah. uh, you know, big TV games, but it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a wild kind of own world in itself. The the one game slates.
2: I I would say that the the strategies for uh, those showdown slates are further away from actual fantasy football than any other slate you'll find. Like it, it's the the a game. percent. Yeah the, yeah, the game of showdown is so much more about the game of DFS than it is about the game of football. Um, but again, we'll we'll get to that. In a little bit, that's that's further down the road than our uh, our kind of intro here.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, before we get to a few more things, that we've gone a little bit a uh, little bit long, kind of uh, you know kind of talking uh, DFS and kind of getting into it. Uh, a, a note from our sponsor, SuperDraft. Uh, the future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience SuperDraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for MLB, NFL, NBA, PGA, and NHL, so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Superdraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in SuperCash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download the app store or play at superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits, more winning. Um, so you mentioned the, we mentioned the optimizer on Rotowire. Are, are you one that uh, that kind of reads every article possible about DFS? Are you uh, how, are you, do you are you someone that like I want to like study the game myself and not look at that stuff? How do you kind of go about uh, just real briefly? And we'll probably get into this more in the podcast. How do you go about like starting your DFS analysis uh, research? Are you are, how how big of a reader are you with that kind of stuff? Uh,
2: I try to read as much as I can and. Um, All right. In, I probably shouldn't say this on a Rotowire podcast but I I feel like it's Sad. worth reading stuff that's not just on Rotowire. I mean like there's a lot of very good content out there, but a lot of it is just uh giving you an idea of where everybody else will be. Um because if there is like, you know, one or two running backs or one or two wide receivers that everybody's talking about, it, that's almost like a an easy way to figure out who's going to be high owned because uh there are plenty of people who not only Uh, go to an optimizer and click, give me the lineup, but there are plenty of people who go to articles and there's a lineup posted or, you know, basically a lineup posted and they just play that. So it gives you a very good, uh, idea of where other people are going to be. And that's kind of the biggest thing about DFS is like, you're playing against other people. This is not, um, at least in most, most sites, um, you're not betting against a sports book. These are other people who are building lineups, and the idea is that you want to beat these other people. Uh, and so, knowing kind of where the general public is going to be is very useful. Um, so, yeah, read as much as you can. Um, obviously, read everything on RotoWire, whether it's DFS or not. But um, <laughs> yes. the so, I mean, that's kind of one of the the main points about football, particularly in GPPs, um, is knowing or at least getting an idea of where the ownership is going to be, because uh, there are some positions where you're going to say that everyone's going to be here, but I'm going to be there too, because I think that's the best way to play. But if there's another guy, you know, if everybody's on Antonio Brown this week and you're like, I actually, you know, think instead of Antonio Brown, if Deandre Hopkins doesn't seem like he has that great of a matchup, but it's still Deandre Hopkins. Like maybe I'll go there. And so, you know, kind of, taking in as much as you can. Um, and I realize not everybody has time for that. Um, but that's that's what we're
1: here for. That's what we're here for. That's right.
2: Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, the more that you can take in, the more you'll figure out kind of not only how you think about the week. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those people who, uh, no matter what I read, um, I, I have my own opinion. Like I, I'm not reading something and somebody's swaying me another way. I can be convinced other things, but I'm. It, it's not like I'm just going to drop what I originally thought just because one person happened to write that,
1: it. That that that's a good skill that any good fantasy player has to learn, though. That's a that's a tough. You, you, mm-hmm. We say that, and it's it sounds easy when yes. you say it, but. There are times where I read something and I'm like, oh, this guy's really smart and I can find myself getting sucked in and I have to realize that you know, I'm doing my own research. i got to figure out what I think too. So it's a, uh, it's a fine line between taking in good info and letting it, letting it affect you too much. So that's a, that's a really good skill and any good DFS player you know, develops that over time.
2: And, and particularly you find yourself – if uh, you read something and you're like, that's a really compelling argument and then you do your research and you agree, you have to realize that it's OK to agree. Like, you can't just be like, oh, maybe I feel this way because this other guy said it's like, well, maybe... You're both just right. It's possible yeah. you're both... Or you're both wrong. Unfortunately, that can happen too, but... Um, and uh,
1: at that point, you mentioned that, you know, the high percentage guys. In no way, even a GPP, are we saying, you know, you can't play high percentage guys. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they are high percentage for a reason and they do really well. It's just, I think that uh, the, the key to me is always is always a mix. You know, I have no problem taking a high percentage guy, but I just got to make sure with the rest of my team that I've got a couple of guys that aren't quite that that chalky. So it's not that, uh, you know, if Antonio Brown's high percentage and you can never use him, because he might have, you know, 11 catches for... For two twenty and two touchdowns, yeah, and yeah. you're buried without him. So I think it's it's a, it's it's really important to know that you know high percentage is not an automatic fade. And I hear some podcasts or some articles are like you can't play this guy because everybody has him. And I don't really I, I'm not I'm not one who believes that. I know some people do. Some people do really well believing that, but I think a mix is really important. And and for me, a mix is kind of how I play a lot of fancy sports. Uh, you know, even season long, I'm uh, you know I, I usually tend to be you know some some young guys and some old guys, and I'm not one that uh, drafts all rookies. Like I said, I'm, I'm very much a mix kind of in all things in that. aspect. And I think that it's important to know that if you come on the on the side that that high percentage Antonio Brown is the right way to go, then go with it. Just make sure that, you know, somewhere else you're a little bit different.
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, And I think, uh, again, that kind of goes back to what we were saying in the beginning of like how you want to play um, fantasy football will help determine kind of what kind of contests you want to enter. Like if you're the kind of person who um, wants to recognize who the optimal plays are. If you recognize it's Antonio Brown week and you want to play Antonio Brown and all of these other guys who are going to be highly owned, like that generally means you should play cash games. And, um, yep. uh, we cash games, I don't know how basic we're going to go, but, uh, cash games are generally either head to heads where you're against one other person, um, or double ups or 50 fifties where you, uh, get either close to, or you double your money. Uh, cause you only have, and you have to beat half the field essentially. Right. Um, Whereas the GPPs, um, to the way that the GPPs have been recently, um, they just have become so top heavy that oh, yeah. you, oh,
1: yeah. Cause I mean, they're, they're marketing that they're marketing that like the millionaire makers, the one you are talking about, they're marketing that $1 million top prize, but that just takes a huge percentage of the overall purse.
2: Right, right. And, and even some of the smaller ones, and I say smaller as if like half a million dollars is, is <laughs> small, at least that's in, in terms of how much the prize pool is, but I mean, some of them are just very top-heavy, and you, that doesn't mean like you can't play to try to min cash. But like, if you're playing that way, you may as well just play cash games because then right. you're actually doubling your money. Like a lot of the GPPs now, the the min cash isn't even double. Like, and so it's like one and a half, one and two thirds. So like, if you're if you really want to play GPPs, you've got to play with the idea that you're trying to finish first, um, and that really changes the way that you would play because you've got to start going a little off the board in terms of guys who are being talked about. Um, And that if you're the the kind of person who looks at a depth chart and the fifth wide receiver, you think is going to have a big game that day for whatever research you did. That's GPPs are for you. Like that's, those are exactly the kind of guys you want because um, being able to recognize guys, not who are going to get some more targets this week and accumulate a few more each week, but like, who is going to do well today, then you should play GPPs.
1: Yeah, no, that that's very true, and I think we'll probably get into GPP versus cash game, you know, strategy and stuff uh, as we do some more preseason podcasts. That's probably a podcast in itself. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think the important thing, and and you actually we talked about this when we we're doing some prep, is I think the key is there's no right way to pay NFL DFS. It's such a fun format. It's a great uh, you you can play every week. You could play every third week, or you could play GPPs one week and then flip around. But there's no right way to play. Um, I think obviously a lot of it is enjoying it. Uh, you know, there are some professionals out there playing. 150 lineups, that kind of thing, and I don't think that uh, I don't think either of us are that kind of player. I think both of us play because uh, you know we want to make some money, but also uh, love playing. And for me, it's a huge challenge. I love trying to figure out what's going to happen each week in the NFL, and that's why it's so built for DFS. I, I just love kind of sitting down and trying to figure out how all the games are going to work out, how the how the lineups are going to work out, how the Vegas spreads are going to work out. Um, so I think the key is there's no right way to play, but you know find a way that A you're comfortable with, and B is enjoyable for you.
2: For sure, I mean DFS tends to be more game than it is about the sport, um, yeah, if that makes any sense. But like, you know, it's a, it's a puzzle each week of how am I going to get these pieces to fit and to either score the most points or to score enough to get me in the 54th percentile. Um, right. and so, yeah, I mean, know what you're going to get out of it. Uh, like you said, there are professionals who, I mean, there are professionals who play one lineup also and they just play everywhere in, in high stakes. And, um, yeah. the, you know, th- there's, there's plenty of talk about bankroll management, which, um, I'm not going to get into because, uh, the one thing I've learned, the more you play DFS is there's like somebody's bankroll management doesn't apply to somebody else. Like money is very different for, for a lot of people. And I see these articles like, if you're new to this, don't go in and and start spending a thousand bucks each week. And it's like, well, a thousand dollars is not as much to some people. And so maybe they should do that or, you know, it's it's, however you want to play. Like that's how you play. Like that's fine. Um, and go into it knowing how you want to play. I think just preparing yourself for what you're getting into. And like you said, like you can play week one, not play three more weeks and then play another one. Like I know people who only play showdown, which seems insane to me. Like, like as, as somebody who's not a high variance guy and showdown is like the definition of it in terms of uh, any other sport. But like, um, you know, there are enough sites out there. If you want to play for a million dollars, there are, or two or three that'll, that'll get you there. Um, but there's just, there's too many ways to play that having one person say like, well, this is how you play. You know, this is the only way you can win, or this is the only site that you can play to do this. Like there's too many options out there. So don't, again, we're going to mostly focus on the big three because they're the big ones. And that's where most people play, but there are plenty of other sites that offer like fun games that if you're in this for fun, there are options.
1: Yeah, and I, I think even if even as we focus on the big three sites, the information and guy and players we'll talk about each week will be will be usable on every site. And I think the most important thing is even if you skip a couple weeks, make sure you listen to the podcast no matter what. Of course,
2: of course. And rate and review uh, every week if you can.
1: Before we get to the end, real quick a note from our uh, our, our last sponsor, Fancy Draft. FantasyDraft.com will like to bring you an important message about rake. Are you tired of playing high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Do you know that over time, these fees called rake can cause Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake-free Daily Fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contest without paying any rake at all. On Fancy Draft, 100% of the entries will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fancy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fancy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at fancydraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake free revolution begins. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven day trial. So, Andrew, at the at the end of uh, end of these, I think each week, I like to get in a little uh, you call it shenanigans, but kind of <laughs> you know getting getting to know your host, a little fun time to a uh, chat. Most podcasts that I like, uh, you know, kind of you gotta stray a little bit from the from the sports and talk about some stuff. Uh, we had thought we had thought to talk Talked about my uh, my big DFS win in 2016. I think we'll t- save that for another podcast. It's a little more of a uh, little more of a longer story. We've gone probably a little bit longer than we wanted to uh, for for the first intro podcast. But it's been fun uh, talking about that. So uh, tell me about that for yourself. How about uh, how about what uh, what are your favorite TV show of all time? Uh,
2: the Wire. Ah, and there's one. like zero hesitation. I, there, I mean, that,
1: there was, were, that was that was no, that was a snap call right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. The uh, I was actually late on the Wire. Um, a friend of mine from college's brother worked on the show and the show was going on while I was in college and I just had no interest in I was like oh that's HBO like don't they have movies this I went to college (laughs) a long time ago Um, I was gonna say you just dated yourself yeah really long time ago it feels Um, and in fact I don't even think the wires in HD or when they uh, when they started it Um, so anyway so final years later I finally uh, dating myself more I bought the DVD set And it's like by far the best show that's ever been made. Like, I don't know. Again, there are great shows out there. Um, I think Breaking Bad is up there. I was a big fan of Lost, even though it kind of uh, went a little nuts by the end. But um, yeah, I mean, The Wire, it's there. It's number one. Like, you're not going to convince me otherwise. uh, I did love The Sopranos, but The Wire is still, that's it for me.
1: Yeah, the wire is really good. It's funny you say that because I actually have the DVD box set here too. Yeah, and that's there How you I go. watched it, I did it. I did it, uh, I did it uh, kind of uh, a few years later also, and it's one of those things like everybody's like, "Oh, you got to watch this, go watch this," and I tend to be like, "Yeah, you know, if everybody's saying that, I just don't want to get involved." Yeah, uh, contrarian TV know, I, watcher. I, I was. I, I. I'm not as much anymore. I used to be. Uh, I used to be really that with movies, and like everybody would talk about. It. I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to see it anymore. I did that with Forrest Gump, and it ruined it for me. Oh. I watched it on like VHS years later, and I thought. It, I thought it was terrible. And I was like, I just think that I expected so much, and I was like, I was so anti it for so long. But I've moved away from my contrarian lifestyle a lot. So I, I love The Wire too. Um, I thought that, uh, that was one of those shows that it, it takes, uh, you know, I've had a few friends, like oh, I watched the first three episodes and I just couldn't get into it. You got to watch five or six and all the characters really start to develop. It's, it's a little bit of a slow burn, especially early, but, uh, you know, for, for five seasons of TV put all together, it's just a fantastic watch. Yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, uh, I was talking about it <clears throat> with somebody the other day, just in terms of like, you know, there, there are shows that like just go on too long. Um, oh, yeah. what's weird is that I, I believe they they started that show knowing they were going five seasons or at least that like the plan was to go five. Whereas a show like lost, which uh, seemed like they were, they thought they were going to be canceled after the end of every season. And so yep. just like nothing ever made sense, but I loved that show. Um, but one that just ended uh, or at least somewhat just ended was the Americans, which is also really high on my list. But um, well, you said like, uh, you know, you have to give it a few episodes. Like I find that shows uh, that people really like now, and everyone's like, oh, it's so slow. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what... I feel like every show that everyone's right. like, these are the best, are really slow. Like, Breaking Bad was, like, amazingly slow at points. But, like, nobody was like, this is awful. Like, no, no, no it's just... I don't know, maybe that's just good TV now.
1: Yeah, I, I watched The Americans, too, and I thought that... Uh, I thought season five got a little slow like that. It was kind of one of those things. They had an end game and they knew what they wanted to get to. They just had to figure out how to get there. But I thought there, the yeah. last... I thought the last six episodes of The Americans were the best stretch of six episode TV's that I think I've ever watched. It was, I just, it was great. I I thought they just they just executed everything perfectly down the stretch. They had everything timed out perfectly. Whereas that season five was a little bit slow, but the last six episodes I thought were my favorite, like finishing stretch of a TV show ever.
2: And the finale itself was was awesome. Like um... it was
1: awesome. Like yeah, the, uh, the 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 parking lot scene. I I won't spoil too much if people haven't seen it. It's, we're years we're years enough away that I think it's okay. But that parking lot scene was like literally six seasons in the making. It was just yeah. it was so
2: brilliant. For sure, for sure. It was it was excellent. We uh we were talking about it in Vegas actually because um, there were a few people when you were talking about how like there are a lot of great shows that have just like horrible finales. Oh um, yeah, horrible. But uh but the Americans really stepped it up on that one. It was it was that's a really good show. But uh, if you haven't started it and you're looking to get into it, just know there's, it's, it's slow. That's what it, it is. is.
1: I'll, uh, I'll say, I, are you, are you one who, who hates the, hates the
2: finale of lost in the last season? Um, I, it was one of those that like, I just, by the, by the end of lost, I had just like accepted it. Like I, I kind of, yeah. they, there had been enough of like what actually had happened, you know, like what the idea was of what they were trying to accomplish. And it was like, I, I was, I was too invested in it that I, I feel like I had to go. Like, I almost feel like I love lost so much, but it's really there are only like a handful of episodes that I really loved, like probably the first let's call it like two or three seasons. And then I just kind of equate that to the rest because it, that like made up for any garbage ones. But, um, the one and show that I, I, that,
1: feel like, okay, I I'm just a not last because I feel like that's the last show we ever had. That was like, appointment tv weekly week by week yeah. because now everybody binges everything now everybody yeah. DVRs everything i feel like that's the last show that like oh my god it's wednesday night lost is on you had to like sit down and actually watch it because everybody was talking about it the next day and i feel like that the whole like you know cliche but water cooler kind of show has kind of gone away I, I feel like that's a that was kind of the last of its kind right there the
2: um the the crazy thing about Lost is that i i knew people that didn't watch it and then binged it and they yeah, were just like i did that like, it, with my wife yeah. oh and and they were like it's just so like intense to like because like every it felt like every episode ended on like such a cliffhanger and like you needed the week to like discuss yep. it and recover but if like you're binging it you don't you're just like f- flying right back into it but the one show that I think might still be this appointment viewing which is not a show I watch I've, I think I've watched the first season is Game of Thrones and it seems like I'm the only person on Earth who like liked it but didn't actually keep going with it.
1: Well, you're not the only person, not only the old person on earth, you're not, only, you're not the only person in this podcast. Oh, isn't? all right. Because I have, uh, I have never seen an episode. I- I'd like to get into it at some point. I'm not huge on like really violent, gory, like kind of death. Mm-hmm. I am, uh you know, I'm okay with like kind of, you know, movie, uh, fun, pretend deaths, but like really violent kind of scenes. I don't do especially well with not really my cup of tea. I'm not, uh, but everybody, that t- everybody tells me I got to watch it. So it's one of those things that I- I'll probably do it. But maybe that, uh, that might be my, uh, my past contrarian me uh, getting involved a little bit.
2: Did you ever watch uh, Sons of Anarchy? I've not. I've heard that's really good too, though. If if you're not into into gory killing, then you should just skip that one. Trust me.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I like I could I like I like watch Braveheart and enjoy it the first time, but I was like, yeah, I'm good with uh, I'm good with watching that. One. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, just cross Sons of Anarchy off your list then.
1: Yeah, all right. The, la- the last show I will always uh, always talk about is Friday Night Lights. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. One of my aside from like a six episode stretch in season two when uh, it felt like they were trying to force things and you know be more popular and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like the first season, the last two seasons are just perfect for me. I love. Obviously, I'm biased. I love football and I love sports, but you know the show is a lot more than that. Everybody always says that it's kind of cliched too, but uh, just a uh, just a really a really fun. You know, it's not a Breaking Bad, Mad Men. You know, Americans super serious get involved, but just a really well written show the the relationship between the coach and his wife is like my favorite tv relationship ever
2: i totally agree with you there's definitely a top five show for maybe even top three
1: yeah it just that 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 marriage actually felt real it's not like a tv marriage where either everything's really good or everything's really bad it was a mix of like you know everything is there are days where it's good there's days where it's bad and they just they played off each other really well and they just they just had an unreal chemistry that i thought is, is really hard to
2: replicate i i was so invested in that relationship that um uh, Kyle Chandler was in the show called Bloodline on Netflix um, which he you know it's a different show so he had a different wife and I'm like oh my
1: gosh look at with somebody else yeah it just it feels like he's cheating this is totally
2: Mark. totally yeah <laughs> So.
1: Anyway, I uh, I want to get into some shenanigans there at the end. I think it'll be it'll be fun to uh, everybody get to, to know us a little bit. Uh, I've uh, I've you know sat down and, and talked to you on the RotoWire Vegas trip a bunch of times. Always had fun, so I know that we'll uh, we'll have a good time with the football stuff and the non-football stuff. But I want to thank everybody for listening to the RotoWire. NFL DFS podcast. Andrew and I will be at you every Friday uh, as we get closer to the season. You know, we'll we'll start to think about uh, actual players and some situations. We'll talk about uh, you know a new offense quarters, new coaches, all that kind of stuff to think about. But uh, you know, kind of a, some general strategy and, and DFS talk until we get there. And then as we get a few weeks from the season, we'll get into some specific players. If there's anything you want to us uh, to talk about, make sure to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Andrew, give us uh, give us your Twitter handle.
2: I'm at Rotowire Andrew.
1: All uh, right, And I'm at Scott Jenstead. If you have any questions or, you know, stuff you wanted to, to us to discuss on the podcast, let us know. We're happy to discuss some different strategies. If you have some specific questions and stuff, we'll obviously uh, be have some time in the preseason to get after that. Other than that, if you could please rate over the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. Other than that, uh, Andrew and I will be at you uh, next Friday and every Friday during the season. We look forward to it. See you then.